Welcome to the Trap Shooters United podcast. I am your host and owner, Joe Brumfield. I created this to help share, showcase, and support this amazing sport by talking to shooters, vendors, parents, and companies. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Trap Shooters United or like us on Facebook. This episode is fueled by Fioki, high-quality ammunition manufactured right in the heart of America with locations in Ozark, Missouri and Little Rock, Arkansas. I choose Fioki because it's loaded in the USA and has extremely light recoil while still crushing targets. But you may be thinking to yourself, Joe, why should I believe you? You're just a mediocre weekend shooter. And you know what? Point taken. Even though I am the Event 12 Graffin Sons Class D doubles champion, let me find someone with a lot more credibility. Hey everyone, this is Shelby Skaggs, ATA All-American, Oklahoma Trap Shooting Hall of Fame member. In our sport, being consistent is the key to success. Fioki's line of shotgun ammunition is second to none in this regard. Proven by my 772 straight in the singles competition during the 2022 Grand American, experience the Fioki difference. If you're like me, customer service is at the top of the list when it comes to buying anything. Combine that with the lowest prices and highest trade-in values, Michael Gooch with Indiana Gun Club is without question the number one choice for your next gun. With one of the largest new and used inventory selections in the country, Indiana Gun Club will have the right gun for you. If you're looking to buy your first competition gun, upgrade out of your current gun, or just simply wanting to add to your collection, Michael Gooch provides a five-star experience every step of the way. Give Michael a call at 317-502-2675 or send an email to gotgunguy43 at yahoo.com. I've personally purchased two guns from Michael, and I guarantee you're going to be treated right. Other sponsors of the podcast include AJ Supplies, Diamond 8 Leather, Herod Insurance, Shamrock Sporting Arms, and Ezox CLP and Gun Care Solution. Welcome to episode 66 of the Trap Shooters United podcast. My guest today is an ATA All-American Kentucky State singles champ, the 504th shooter to achieve the ATA Grand Slam, team Kohler captain and general manager of Elite Shotguns, Aaron Willoughby. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me this evening. Very excited. Absolutely. Let's kick it off a little bit with the uh, Dead Pair event in Florida. Um, I think it was last week. And your tell us about your gorgeous new sporting gun. I tell you, that shoot was it was a big hit. We had a ton of shooters from all over the country that came down to uh, to Vero Beach Clay Shooting Sports and joined us. We had a uh, we had a little we had a soft opening for our new clubhouse there for that event. Uh, we're not one hundred percent moved in for the uh, you know for the uh, grand unveiling of the of the clubhouse, but uh, we're, we're getting there. We started moving guns in today, and uh, but anyway, going back to the event, the event was off the charts. Everybody had a great time. Lots of All-American sporting clay shooters were there, and uh, we had good weather, so that's uh, that's always a good thing to have good weather, especially in Florida, because Florida's known for not only rough trap targets, but also for uh, for tough sporting clay targets. Well, it was it was a good event overall, overall, and we couldn't expect anything uh, anything less from that club. We have a good management team down there, a good staff, and uh, it's uh, it went really really well. Um, I did get a new sporting clay gun. Kohler uh, knocked it out of the park. Many of you seen it on uh, Facebook. Uh, 
been primarily a trap shooter for 28 years and I'm starting to venture into sporting a little bit. So it's a, it's a new challenge. And uh, I went with the ramp taper. It's got the ramp rib on it with the round action receiver, custom gold griffin on the bottom, and uh, the FX stock with some upgraded wood. Uh, for now, I'm going to shoot a factory stock. I do have a Winnig stock, custom Winnig stock. They're one of my sponsors. So uh, we do have that. Uh, that stock will be coming soon. And then, who knows, hopefully uh, I may become a sporting clay shooter. I don't... Uh, I got, uh, you know, high expectations, but uh, I'm not as far as the uh, really willing to put in a lot of time to uh, to make it the master class. We'll just see. I mean, I'm, I've got a busy schedule with my new uh, with my new general manager position, and you know, shooting's kind of secondary now. But it's uh, we'll see what happens. Excited. So, yeah, I, I thought that gold uh, Griffin really popped on that black receiver. It did. Yeah, we've had a lot of, uh, oh, actually, I've had a lot of uh, private messages, and I know Kohler's had some messages on their Facebook feed, too, people really asking about it. So it may be an offering, uh, you know, that we, we offer from Kohler down the line, but uh, this was a this was a custom engraved gun. Dennis Seitz uh, engraved it, and um, we actually did two, one for me and one for my squad mate, Tank Lunsford. So he has one as well. So we have a consecutive serial number guns. So, so that's kind of cool. He's going to be, uh, I don't know if he's going to shoot it for trap, but he's also expressed a little interest in playing, playing with some sporting play shoot. So that's uh, probably what he's going to use it for. Hey, why not, why not burn some more ammo while you're at it? Right. Yeah. So I shot it today for the first time and knock on wood. I ran my, ran a 25 straight on the five stand. So it's uh I think it's shooting where I'm looking. I'm very excited about it. For those that have never been to a Sporting Clays event, I, I've never been, how does it differ from a typical, like a, a trap, you know, state shoot or um, like a zone shoot, that sort of thing, as far as environment goes? Yeah, as far as environment, well, there's definitely a lot more uh, golf carts and buggies for sure because it's uh, almost a requirement to have a buggy you know you have to get around the course and and things like that so um you know with the trap events a lot of people drive up behind their their field and hop out and go shoot and get back in the car but with sporting clays you have to navigate around the course so uh you you're going to see a lot more buggies and it's to be honest with you i think sporting clays is more of a family uh more of a family uh event really i mean you can take your wife you can have your kid on the car you know, you can have three or four people on the buggy with you, and, and it's kind of fun. You know, you get to ride on a golf cart and navigate through the course, and it's kind of like golf with the shotgun. So, and, uh, but as far as, as far as people, I mean, it, you know, there's, you know, trap shoot still, a trap shooting is still going to have the most people at the events. But, uh, you know, you get with like national, you get down to nationals in Texas. I mean, there's a ton of people there, you know. As you know, trap's definitely the the largest of the three between trap, boarding, and skeet. But boarding's really, really making a push. I mean, it's really growing, and and I think it's going to give trap a run for its money as far as participants go. But uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, you know. It's well, trap. Um, you don't really have a set time of trap. You know, we have a general idea of what time we're going to shoot, 
you know, we, we figure, you know, four squads an hour, five at best. Um, sporting clays, you know exactly what time you're going to shoot. And so that makes it a little easier for planning purposes. You know, if you have a one o'clock start time, you know, you're not going to shoot till one o'clock. It's, there's not going to be empty holes. Typically you're not going to have missing squads and, and things like that. So that's one thing I do like about it. Um, it's, it's easy to, easy to schedule the day, especially with what I do, you know, because I'm selling guns throughout the day and people's in and out of the trailer and things like that. And knowing exactly what time I have to go out is, is, is very helpful for me. Oh, I bet. Um, you started registering targets in 1995. How old were you when you started that and how and why did you get started? So I was, I think I was 14 then. 14, 15, somewhere around there. But uh, anyway, I started shooting. My dad was a shooter. He shot uh, He shot competitively until I was born at 81, and then he quit shooting for a while. And then 86, 87, he started back. So uh, he had a real uh, – he was a big player in, in getting me back involved, you know, getting me involved in the sport. And, you know, I always kind of wanted to go with him. He was shooting a local – local clubs around here in clay city and mount sterling he shot some in uh, rowan county sportsman's club in moorhead and you know i went with him a few times and i was like you know what this looks really really cool and i wouldn't mind doing it um i played sports all the way up until that point i played basketball baseball and uh a little bit of football but once i was at that uh once i was introduced to it i mean all that stuff went to the wayside and i was just like you know i'm gonna this is something I want to do. And this was a lifelong sport that, you know, I could shoot and, uh, let's face it, you know, it's very few people become professional baseball or basketball players. And I mean, I was, I was a good, you know, I was good. I was an all, all-star teams and all that, but not, you know, not pro level for sure. So, uh, anyway, I went with him to some of the local shoots. Uh, when I was first born up, mom said they used to take me to the club and stuff when I was a baby. Of course, I don't remember that, but, it's uh so i've really been around it all my life and and then once i you know 95 96 i really started taking interest in it and uh just shooting you know the little tin bird matches around at the local clubs and one thing led to another i, I think i started with a bt99 i think most everybody that starts trap shooting starts with a bt99 and and then worked into something else but uh yeah it was like 500 bucks i think is what what he paid for it when i started and uh yeah the rest is history i mean i've been shooting trap ever since and it's uh definitely uh become my life my lifestyle for sure um now the you know with shooting it's i mean i'm the general manager of elite shotguns you know we have four locations so i have a lot of uh responsibilities and things on my plate but it's uh it's it's definitely been a blessing to me and my family and everybody that's helped me along the way to get to this point. So so when you're your first start now, you know ninety six, ninety seven. Um, I'm assuming you probably attended the Grand in Vandalia around those years for the first time. Oh yeah. Who were the shooters that you would kind of follow and watch? um while you were there i like me i know when i first went there i think it was 2001 or 2002 i would ride the trolley up and down and once i saw someone you know leo or you know ricky or ray stafford i would hop off 
and why and follow them, you know, down the line. Is there any particular shooters that you would do that with? You know, I watched Leo. Um, I actually shot with Leo a few times, um, you know, later in my shooting career. But um, Leo, Ray, I watched Ricky quite a bit. KOE, um, I was really intrigued by his style and, and the way he shot also, watching K. Um, Frank Hoppy, you know, I really, uh, I didn't really just single one out. I, I just watched all of them, you know, collectively and, and just took bits and pieces from all the shooters and kind of developed my own style. It wasn't like I tried to model one individual in particular, but I just took pieces of all of them and just kind of meshed it together. But uh, I wore the trolley out in Vandalia. I mean, one end to the other. I mean, it was, if I wasn't shooting, I was going in the building, the vendor buildings and looking at guns and going in the Kohler booths. And I literally went in every building at the, in Vandalia probably at some point when it, when it was there for sure. And, uh, it's, it was something else to see. That's for sure. Yeah. I think I would, I would, um, I'd wear the trolley out go into the buildings and I would, I would pretty much pick up every single gun that there was until I, until someone would tell me to get out of their building or something. <laughs> Can you afford that $20,000 gun? No, I cannot. <laughs> well, that would not have happened in our store. Let's just tell you that we would have said, maybe down the road, maybe down the road, we'll get you in the gun. <laughs> yeah. Now, gun progressions, you, you said you started with the 99. Where did you go from the 99 and then take us all the way to what you're shooting now? So I started with the BT, and then, you know, after I shot for a bit, my uh, my grandpa actually had a huge role in, you know, where I'm at today, to be honest with you. He's no, no longer with us, but he did play a big uh, big factor in where I'm at. Um, you know, after I shot the BT for a while, I expressed some interest in a Beretta. So I ended up getting a Beretta combo. I think it was a 686 onyx or something i can't even remember exactly what it was but uh, anyway got a combo shot it for two to three years and really fought gun fit i mean i was you know i was young i was growing my gun fit was changing constantly you know every three or four months i mean i'm tweaking something and and i just really really struggled at a young age with gun fit and you know i went we went all over the country i had a couple trips down to uh Alabama to see the country gentleman, uh, Jerry Nelson, Todd Nelson's actually doing it now, but Jerry's father passed away, but Jerry was, uh, he gave me a, a couple lessons and, and worked on gun fit. So he really helped, uh, you know, get the, get that gun to fit me and where I could shoot it comfortably without having a red shoulder or a bruised cheek or whatever. But, you know, it wasn't the gun. It was just, I was just growing so fast that you know, as soon as I started figuring it out, you know, something would change and we'd have to make a tweak. So, you know, I shot the Beretta, I'm not really sure, probably three years, four years, roughly. And then, uh, actually went back to the BT-99 that I shot well. And then, uh, I guess the gun after that would have been a silver sights. I shot a sights for a while and, um, I shot the sights for a while and uh, that kind of led into, which we can talk about later, uh, actually went to work for sites in Maryland for a summer, did an internship with Richie. And then I shot the sites and then 
uh, when that didn't work out, I wasn't going to move up to Maryland to, to work full time. I went back to the Kohler and we're probably 20 years, you know, that's 20 years ago. So I've been shooting the Kohler for right at 20 years now. That's better than most trap shooters. That Yeah, I don't change any, you know, once I find something that works, I just, I've stuck with it. I don't change my point of impact. I don't change my comb. I don't trade guns. I mean, if I shoot bad, it's on me. So, yeah, it's it's definitely treated me well. Um, I've never, you know, knock on wood, I've never had my Kohler gun ever break down on the shooting line, ever. Like, nothing. Like, I've never had to walk off the line because my gun broke. So, I think that speaks, uh, you know, true testament to that brand and the quality of it. But uh, it's great. I shot the, uh, so they had the older, uh, the older style 740 board guns. They were definitely heavy. They were, you know, tanks for that matter. They were, they were very heavy. The older colors were. And then they came out with a lighter version, the 750 bore. And then that's when I switched over to the high rib. So the, the first version Kohler, the first generation Kohler uh, was the lower, the step rib gun. And then when I went to the 750, I switched to the high rib, high rib adjustable. And then now I currently shoot the 740 bore light contour gun. So I've had three, uh, you know, three versions, but it's been same dimension, same receiver, same everything. I've just changed barrels for the most part. And, uh, and I change receivers. I have an engraved receiver now I'm shooting, but it's mechanically, it's the same exact gun. Now go into your current setup. You mentioned you don't change your point of impact or anything. Um, what kind of point of impact are you shooting? What chokes are you using for each discipline? That sort of thing. So handicap, definitely shoot full 27 yards. So I'm a big believer in being able to see the corridor pattern, seeing that smoke ball in the center and, um, ups on singles. i <laughs> to be honest with you, I kind of play with this past year. Actually, the last two years I've shot modified up front last year, I had a, over 99 average, I think it's 9907 or something. Um, this year I was a little under 99, but given we shot some rough targets in Florida, it, it is what it is. But you know, it's a I don't I don't know that there's much difference on 16 yards. I mean, either you're on it or you're not. I mean, you're missing feet, you know, not inches typically up front. So um, I could probably shoot full choke and and be just fine and not tell much of a difference. But but anyway, on singles I shoot modified. On doubles, I shoot light modified and improved modified on top. Then uh, point of impact, I'm going to shoot a fairly flat gun compared to a lot of trap shooters. I shoot 70%. So it's uh, it may be 75, but it's in that window of 70 to 75. Gotcha. And, and I still think I'm too high a lot of times, especially if you get somewhere with the wind behind you and and you got you got to really stay under the target. So I could probably get away with 60% as aggressive as I am with the gun. Now, I, I did reach out, and I'm going to sprinkle in a couple listener questions here kind of throughout. Um, one of those questions was in regards to your really tall comb that you have. Uh, I, I know it's a Winnie custom stock. Can you kind of go into that comb and, and the benefits that that provides you? So it's all about vision. You know, around the gun and over top of the gun, you know, I have a lot of drop at the heel. Uh, the drop at the heel is basically the measurement from the top of the rib to the top of the recoil pad. I think mine's like four and a quarter inches. That is, you know, quite severe compared to most people. But 
it's just the way I'm built. And that's, that's the drop and the, the comb height that I need to get a full pad in my shoulder pocket and, and get my eyes up and level. So, uh, you know, could I shoot a little less possibly, but I think when your head's up and your eyes are level and square, you know, you're, you're less apt to raise your head, come off the gun. And so that's, uh, that's why we built that stock that way for sure. Wayne does a great job too. I mean, that's, I taught, you know, they knew what I needed. They built it. And then, you know, after I showed her it a few times and I just fell in love with it and I've shot that measurement for, I don't know, five, six years since I started shooting the Winnick. Another listener question that's kind of, it's kind of off topic, but I thought it was interesting. Um, they asked, what do I do when I see a chip on my own target, but nobody else on the squad does? That's a tricky one. So <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know that that's, that's ever happened to me on the line. I have missed targets that the scorekeeper would not say anything. And then I stopped the squad. I mean, if I think I missed it, I mean, with following, you know, not arguing with the scorekeeper or whatever, but I mean, it just, we had to, I actually had that happen a couple of times this past year, you know, and I just, I knew I missed the target the scorekeeper at the grand was adamant that I broke it. And I said, I am not shooting another target until that is marked zero. I said, I cannot, I just can't, can't go with it. And, you know, I just can't do it. You know, market is zero. And, and it's, and it's cost me some money, you know, at some events and, and it cost me a, at the grand, it cost me money. I think I broke a 98 that day or I had a 99 based on what the scorekeeper said, you know, the squad, the squad said I missed it. Scorekeeper was adamant. I broke it. And you know, I know what the rule book says. But I, I just, I just, I, I can't live with myself. I mean, I'll shoot in the ground, you know, if I, if they force me to take it, <laughs> but it just, uh, our squad is about, uh, you know, being honorable and being honest and not taking targets, you know, it doesn't matter. So it's not that important really. I mean, we all want to win and want to shoot good, but you're, uh, you're, you know, who you are and your character is a lot more important than scoring the trophies. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I don't know that that's ever to your question. Let's go into your hold and look points. Where are you holding and looking for each discipline? So on singles, I, um, I like breaking the, the fill it up in the thirds. Okay. So looking out over the trap house in the thirds, you got the bottom level, you got the middle level and the top level would be where I see the target, the clearest and where it slows down the most for me. So that would be my break point. So on singles, I like holding right at the top of that first level. Okay. So I'm going to say two foot above the trap house, foot and a half roughly on a normal target. I'm not looking under the barrel. I'm just soft focused out of, out over top of the barrel into that second tier, into that second level. And then once the target clears my barrel, you know, I'm looking above the barrel. Once the target comes into, uh, into clarity, I just make a short move up and, and shoot it. But you always want to come, always want to make a move. I don't, uh, I'm not a big believer in moving left or right. I mean, I think you got to have some definitely movement up into the bottom of the target and, and drive through it um it's handicap is totally different you know i same hole points on the trap house uh i just lower my hole point down so um, i can walk through like position well, I'll, I'll go through position one through five so position one um left hand corner maybe just a little on the inside 
I'm never outside the box, so so um, just inside the just inside the left hand corner on one, uh, between center and left hand corner on two, I'm just right of center on three. I can go. I I feel like I can move easier to the left than I can to the right, even though that's you know you're pulling the gun into your face and you're less apt to uh, come off the stock. Position four in between center and right hand corner, and then position five, right hand corner. So um, it's I never come off the corners at all. I just try to stay connected to the trap house, and and I just lower my hold point down on the roof for handicap, and I also lower my with that lower hold point. I lower my look point too. So I'm trying to see that target's direction as quickly as possible looking for even just a hint of a flash of orange or, or anything right out of the box and that way i can read it and, and make a fast move um i don't try to shoot fast uh people say that i shoot really fast handicap i don't um i don't feel like i try to shoot fast it's just i shoot when i see it and slow is smooth smooth is fast i mean that's uh that's really really the, the way it works you know if i'm seeing the targets good and I'm being smooth, and I'm obviously going to be fast, and it's going to appear that I'm shooting fast. Uh, doubles hold points. I would of the three disciplines, I would say doubles is my weak link. I don't practice it a lot. Uh, I've been playing with different styles of shooting doubles. Last year, I shot right bird first all the way across, kind of like Sean Holly does, and actually worked with Sean a little bit out in Tucson. It works well for me. I mean, I shot some great scores shooting right bird first, but I just, I just wasn't a hundred percent comfortable with it this past season. I shot straight away first, so who knows? I'll flip a coin, I guess, uh, when I go to Florida in March and decide what I want to do for the year. But uh, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, doubles are fun. You know, we're. Uh, I've lost a lot of high overalls due to double scores, but. Well, it's it's just part of it. So it's just part of my part of my weakness. We all have weaknesses, and doubles are you know it's just something I got to work out a little harder, I guess. So back to handicap real quick on the corners. So one in five, you're holding a little bit into the house on one, right on the corner on five. Where are you putting your eyes? Are you putting your eyes right above, like your barrel? Are you are you putting your eyes a little bit? off to the left or to the right to kind of catch that hard angle coming out or just straight right above the right above the barrel so you know if i find that left angle sneaking if, if i find the left angle sneaking out on me on one i'll just lower my hole point down even further but but i really the the zone that i look for the target in like i said it shifts down with handicap whereas in singles i want to shoot a little bit slower a little bit more methodical so I raise my eyes up. So with my whole point coming down on a handicap, so do my eyes. And um, if I feel like that barrel, if the gun, if the uh, target's coming out under my barrel, I'll definitely lower the barrel down and until I get comfortable. You know, it doesn't beat me. I feel like it's beating me. Sparta's a little bit different. I even hold I even hold a little bit lower. You know, their their houses are taller. I'm actually. Uh, probably four or five inches below the lid in Sparta on handicap. And uh, it's just, it just works for me there. I, I don't know why it's a timing issue. 
Mm, it just, uh, that's, that's what I have to do to break the targets consistently in Sparta on handicap. We've already kind of hit on you, um, you know, doing the internship with sites. Take us through how you got started selling guns. I know you, you kind of started slow and kind of worked your way into it. Um, you were a teacher for, for a couple of years. Um, can you kind of get us, you know, kind of the, the history behind that? And then how you how you achieved the level of general manager with Elite now? So when I graduated graduated high school, I ended up going to Lindenwood. I was on their first uh, their first shotgun team, and uh, so that's kind of where it really started to pique my my interest. You know, I was wanting to get into the industry somehow, some way. I was going to work in the shooting industry, selling guns. As you know, shooting for a living is is pretty much unheard of unless you know you're you know you're doing lessons full-time and you know the money's not there anymore like it used to be so it's pretty difficult to do so so my way in was you know to uh be involved in in gun sales and, and when i graduated from lindenwood i came back to uh actually i didn't graduate when i when i finished at lindenwood i was there for a year i transferred back home and graduated from moorhead state university so I graduated with a teaching degree. I got my master's there, and then I started teaching school. I taught school for eight years, and while I was teaching school, I mean, I still had this vision of, you know, gosh, how do I get in the industry full time? How do I get into this, you know, where I can do this for a living and, and make this work? You know, I was selling a few guns on the side uh, through Kohler, through the you know current president at the time. And, you know, I was doing referrals. I'd send them gun referrals and things like that. But I just wanted a little bit more. So, you know, it's funny because on my planning periods, when I was teaching school, when I had planning periods, instead of planning lessons, I was trying to figure out how to sell a gun, you know, <laughs> sell a gun on trapshooter.com or something. But uh, it, uh, it it was definitely it was definitely fun. But anyway, um, so taught, taught school for eight years. And... Um, the president at that time, Kohler, uh, he, he seen my interest and, and he knew what I wanted to do. And so he reached out to me and, and he introduced me to, uh, to a gun dealer in California. That was a good friend of his. And so, um, kind of connected, we hit it off a little bit and then I flew out to California to meet him in person. And he said, you know, if you want to make this happen, let's do it. And so. That, uh, I don't know, two or three months after that, I put in my resignation from teaching and I was like, you know what, <laughs> I can always go back to teaching, but this is my shot. You know, this is my chance to make this happen. So, so yeah, it was a tough decision for me and for my family because, you know, I had tenure, I had a job for life, basically, you know, once you teach five years, you have tenure here in Kentucky and unless you do something drastic, you're not going to get fired. They have to keep you. So. It was a big move, and you know when I started, I even uh, even took a little pay cut, but it was it was a chance. I wanted to prove myself that I could do it. So, long story short, um, Elite was already established in Pennsylvania. Uh, they were they had one gun shop in Pennsylvania in Glenshaw, and they were just getting into the uh, you know really getting hot and heavy with different brands. They carried Zoli, they carried Browning, and then they were looking to get into some other brands. So that's where the Kohler connection came in. So John Ramagla, who was the president of Kohler, 
we all kind of communicated back and forth and and uh anyway that uh, that partnership was formed between uh, dan lewis in california and and lead shotguns in pennsylvania with uh, murray gerber and then uh so anyway this you know we created the mobile showroom here in kentucky i traveled to shoots uh, burning the roads up you know all summer getting our getting our name out there um and then you know, just tra- really traveled anywhere east of the Miss- east of the Mississippi. We were, uh, you know, hitting shoots. I was going to shoots and went to some shoots and never sold a gun. You know, just people didn't know who Elite was, and, and they were the new new game in town, the new new brand. And we knew that uh, that I'll have to sell the oats and and uh, you know get get the name and get get our brand out there in front of some people and sponsor some shoots. So fast forward to now. Um, I was promoted to the to general manager uh, a little over a year ago by Murray Gerber, the owner of Elite Shotguns, and uh, we have four locations: Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Texas, and Florida. So uh, our Texas location is at the National Shooting Complex. It's open year round. We have Vero Beach Clay Shooting Sports in Vero, which has a new clubhouse and gun room. And then uh, Glenshaw, Pennsylvania, that's where it all started. And then, of course, we have the shop here in uh, Kentucky where we have the demo field as well. So with the gun shop here in Kentucky, it's literally 50 yards from my house and walk to walk in the gun shop and go to work. It's uh, it's definitely a dream come true. And, you know, I got lucky. I took a big chance and, you know, just kind of went for it and. I had no doubt that it wouldn't, you know, that it would not work. You know, I, I knew that that was my dream and that's what I wanted to do. It just uh, met the right people at the right time and they seen my drive and my ambition and here we are. We've uh, we've got over 20 employees throughout the league and uh, if we're not the largest, we, uh, we're a very close second as far as the shotgun industry goes, as far as, as, far as the dealer. You can't complain about that. You you live fifty yards from a from a gun range, a, a trap range. You got five stand, and then you got you know however many guns you have there as well. So that's pretty cool to me. Sure. Yeah, we keep uh, in Kentucky. We keep about one hundred and sixty or one hundred and seventy guns here in stock, and then collectively at all our locations. I mean, we have well over a thousand. You know, throughout. We, uh, as you know, I mean, I focus uh, primarily on the trap market, but with the uh, addition of our five stand here, we're getting a lot of interest in in sporting clays here in Kentucky. Just not a lot of places to shoot sporting clays around, uh, and and with that being said, there's not a lot of places to buy a high end sporting clay gun. So uh, we actually had two customers today came down and shot demos and we sold two sporting clay guns today to uh, two new beretta guns so it's really starting to grow um that's an untapped market for this area for sure and um, i think we're really going to see the the sporting side grow here substantially here in kentucky now how difficult is it for you like say at the grand right you're there to work you know obviously you're there to shoot. You want to be competitive over the full 10 days. Can you get into how hard it is 
to kind of keep that mental focus, physical, you know, uh, takes a toll on you physically. Can you kind of get into how hard that is to keep that up for the 10 days that you're there? The grand is, the grand is your grind for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's very difficult to be honest with you. I don't, I question myself sometimes while I do it, but uh, it's, uh, when I get towards the end of the grand, I'm just like draining and I'm just like, why do I do this to myself? And for the last two years, we went into the grand, my squad, we're, we're just like, you know, we're not going to shoot every target. We're not going to shoot all of prelim week. We may just shoot the handicap events prelim week and then shoot the HOA on, on the main week. And it always seems like, you know, I don't shoot a ton of shoots. I think I shot eight shoots this year. And, and for all American team, you take your best seven. So it just, it always comes down to the end and we're just like, you know what? Heck with it. Let's just shoot it all and make it happen. And so again, this year we shot every target and by grand week, I'm just toasted, you know, just mentally and physically, but you know, I signed up for it. Um, as far as a daily routine, you know, we, we open the store at nine o'clock in Sparta and then you're literally on your feet from nine to five or nine, nine to five thirty every single day. When you're not shooting, I'm in the back office. I'm working with somebody on a gun fit. I'm doing paperwork. I'm doing a background check. Um, it's just, it's, it's mentally tiring for sure. Um, as far as getting ready to go out and shoot, you know, they laugh at me all the time. I mean, I'll be in the back office, you know, doing some paperwork and I'll call and say, Hey, we're up in three post. And I got to go from vendor building, uh, vendor building all the way down to the other end of the complex. And I grab my gun, grab my bag and hop in the truck, take off. And that's it. Just walk out to the line and shoot. I don't, I don't ever get to the trap line at the ground 30 minutes ahead. I wouldn't even say 15 minutes ahead from when we take the line. It's just the squad in front of us is usually shooting when I roll in. It's just go out and do it see what happens you know so and i think that's you know that's bad sometimes but i think it keeps you from dwelling on stuff too you know it's it's easy to go to the ground and know you have to be perfect and you know if you sit on the bench for 30 or 45 minutes before your time to shoot i mean it just doesn't work out for me personally i'm just uh you know if you got to think about it you're not prepared so just go out and shoot and trust your trust what you've taught yourself and follow your process and just make it happen. Shoot and have fun. It's uh, the grand's easy. It's it's easy to fall into that trap of uh, oh my gosh, I got to break two hundred and then I got to break another six hundred and I got to do this and that. You know, it's a it's a one target game. It's not a two hundred bird game. So, but it is. It's it's like I said, it's a grind shooting's almost secondary for me you know now with my you know with, with what i'm doing as a general manager with the lead you know it's it's secondary but it still is important i mean i i love to shoot and i love to be competitive but uh you know it's it doesn't uh you know as we talked there the payouts aren't there anymore it doesn't uh, put food on the table and pay the mortgage so i gotta you know focus on the customers and what we have going on in elite and growing our business and and providing for the family. Oh, absolutely. Definitely got to get that mortgage paid before you worried about <laughs> shooting. Now, do you have a favorite place to shoot? I like Kentucky. I mean, I'm really, I'm partial to Kentucky. I do, uh, 
I really enjoy Florida. I mean, I know most people cringe when they talk about the weather conditions and things like that at Silver Dollar, but you know, it's, I broke my grand slam at the Silver Dollar. I broke my best score there. I broke my worst score there. I mean, I broke a hundred from a 27. I broke a 69 in handicap. So it can just be a brutal, brutal experience sometimes, but you know, it's fun. You're in sunny Florida and you know, what more can you want? You got a golf course and sunshine and 75 80 degrees in in march and it's a challenge you know you have a lot of uh you know a lot a lot of factors are playing to make it a difficult place to shoot but you know it's i would say it's one of my top three top three favorites i like the cardinal center i'm a fan of the cardinal center i don't i don't really have a preference on the curtain or shooting on the curtain or not having the curtain i broke some good scores on both so but that'd be my top three will be uh, the Cardinal Center, Silver Dollar, and then Kentucky for sure. If Vandalia, if we were still shooting in Vandalia, would you rather shoot at Vandalia or the Cardinal Center? Vandalia, yeah, for sure. Just just for the trolleys? Yeah, just for the trolleys. I mean, I miss Vandalia. You know, I was, you know, the money was good then. There was a lot of great shooters. I mean, there's great shooters now, but... You know, my, my idols, the people that I looked up to, you know, the Ray Staffords and, and the KOE and, you know, those guys, they were in their prime, you know, during the Vandalia years and, and I always looked up to them. It'd be really cool to, I wish I was, I wish I was at the level that I'm at now then and would have the opportunity to, uh, to, to go head to head with some of those guys. You know, my dad, you know, my daddy was, he was a, a shooter. He still is a shooter, but he was proficient shooter you know he had he won the world clay target championship in 98 and um had the high singles average that same year he had a 99.7 singles average and he got to shoot with those guys and and i just um i just think it was uh really cool to watch him do that and always thought it'd be cool to shoot with them when they were in their prime and you know in that era in, the, in that shooting era now, do you recall uh, when your dad won the clay target? Do you recall about how many folks also ran that two hundred and that were in that shoot off? I think there were forty two. Yeah, I think there were forty two, and they shot off. They he and one other guy ran two hundred straight, and then that's when they, you know, they would cut you off. They would ask the shooters, "Hey, do you want to continue?" And I think that guy voted elected not to shoot. So he had to sleep on it the entire, uh, the entire night and then shoot the entire next day before the shoot off, you know, for the clay target. So, and, um, but I was there, I mean, I remember, you know, like it was yesterday for sure. And, uh, they had the, uh, of course they had the grandstands and they had the Budweiser beer tent and they had a live band that night. I remember them, uh, <laughs> one of the shooting friends they, they were walking by the beer tent and they had the stage and everything and he was all excited and they got him up on stage and said he just won the you know the world clay target championship and it was cool stuff so uh yeah i can i can definitely remember that and how it all went down yeah that's still uh that's definitely a goal of mine at some point i've shot off uh you just got to enjoy the journey. I've shot off for it the last two years and and uh, and went deep. You know, I think I went out 12th this year and 10th or 11th the year before. So, 
Just uh, you can't pick when it's going to happen, but pretty confident it's going to happen at some point. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's let's hit on your grand slam. What was going through your head? Because I know you had came, you had come close several times before. Mm-hmm. What was kind of going through your head as you're going in? You know, the last ten, last five targets. You know, we shot the um, prior to that. I had shot in Tucson at the Autumn Grand, and then the Spring Grand in February. And I had some deep runs there. I thought I was going to break it there. I ran three boxes straight once. I ran eighty five straight. There was a eighty two or eighty three straight in there somewhere. And so I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when and where. Uh, even at the Southern Grand, at the, the shoot where I broke it on Sunday, I think it was Thursday's handicap. It, it may have been Friday's. I'm just not sure. I missed my 99th target. And uh, missed my 99th. I broke a 99. I won the event. But um, I was like, golly, how, how close can you get? You know, you run 80-some straight. You run 99 straight. And, uh, I'll be honest with you that morning on Sunday's handicap, that Sunday morning, that uh, Southern grand, I woke up and I got in the shower and, and I, I remember, you know, I got in the shower that morning and I said, you know what? I said, I'm tired of messing around. I'm going to go break a hundred today. And sure enough, I did. I went out and ran the hundred straight in front of the clubhouse and there's not, uh, they said there's not been many broke there. I'm not sure what the total count is, but I'd heard five or six in the history of the club. But it's it's a challenging spot. Just the stars aligned, and, and it kind of happened. So I'm sure there was a huge weight that just like lifted off your shoulders. It was, it was, you know, because I wanted it so bad, and you know, it's going back to to trying too hard and wanting too bad. You know, it just it's it's detrimental to you. You know, you just got to go out and shoot and just trust your instincts and trust your process and just make it happen. You cannot think if you think you're behind. (laughs) That's the, that's the truth. That's where I'm at right now on the, on the 26 yard line. I I want that last year so bad that I just, I screw it up within the first 50 targets. (laughs) That's the thing with handicap. You know, you got to live on the edge and, you know, shoot a little bit. I wouldn't say reckless abandonment, but, you know, you got to keep the gun still, let it come out, and then go get it. It's not like, it's not like singles, so you got to be a little more aggressive. But it's it's just imperative that you don't move the gun before the target comes out. And I think that's what a lot of people do on handicap. They just move the gun and anticipate the target. You can do it up front and get away with it and make a correction, but on 27 yards, you just can't do that. Now, do you have a favorite shooting memory of all time besides the grand slam um so my dad and i won the parent child in in uh in sparta so that that's a big one for me we had a 399 i missed he ran them but uh, we still won it but uh we made up for it at the kentucky state shoot i think it was the following year yeah the following year we ran the 400 so he and i both broke the 200 so that was really really cool but yeah we he doesn't shoot near as much as he used to um you know he's uh he doesn't get to travel travel as much and you know i do miss that but you know it's just part of part of life and and, and things and work gets in the way and schedules get in the way but it's uh that was a lot of fun that was probably other than my grand slam that was probably one of the most memorable things was 
when the parent child and the parent child i mean you usually have to hit the you know 398 399 400 sometimes to win it it's it's really phenomenal how many you know father-son duos or parent-child duos are out there in general oh yeah yeah there's quite a few bob munson eric munson i mean they're you know they they both been shooting uh you know that's names that have been around since i started shooting for sure as far as your father-son duo goes so it's uh they're always tough and you, you both also have the grand slam which i think there's only nine or ten father sons that have that as well or parent child that have that yeah yeah there's not many for sure uh what's been your longest shoot off longest shoot off you know at probably 225 250 i'm uh yeah i would say the single championship at kentucky i think that was 225 uh, the clay target i went 225 this past year but yeah it's you know singles are single shoot offs tend to be the longest shoot offs and it's, it's something you know i just haven't been in a really really long single shoot off and you know not like a five six hundred round shoot off it just uh, hasn't happened handicaps kind of my you know handicap is really my favorite it's what i put all my emphasis on and my focus you know, singles, I've always tend to shoot a little too quick for singles, and that's something I'm working on for sure. I wish I could be deliberate, and if I could be a little more deliberate and patient, uh, maybe we would have some of those 500, 600-round <laughs> shootouts, but it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. What are your thoughts on the, the Dagan, you know, 800-round shootoff? I mean, that's, that's just insane. The amount of mental focus that would that takes it is insane and i wish i could just have half of the of the patience and he's so methodical and just really takes his time and and it's totally opposite from my style and and, and i know my style is you know it's throw the gun up when it hits my cheek hits my shoulder say pull and shoot i mean i wish that i could just have a hint of what he has and i think it would help me tremendously but you know, with the speed of our squad, we have a fast squad. Our entire squad shoots basically the same style that I do. You know, when the gun goes up, I mean, there's sometimes that I follow Tank Lunsford for the most part, and there's a lot of times his pieces will be in the air, falling to the ground, and I'm calling for the next target. And, you know, I've actually thought about working and changing my style a bit, and who knows, I may still work on it in the spring, but it's – it's just a very impressive to see like Dagan and those guys, Pat Lamont and really those proficient single shooters. Just you know, Keith Ditto, for example, you know, Keith's from Kentucky. He and I are really good friends and, uh, you know, Keith just sets over the gun forever. And I'm just like, Keith, what are you thinking about? You know what, you know? And he says, you know, he's waiting on his eyes to settle. And, uh, well, I just can't, you know, it just doesn't work for me, but you know, that's why we all have different styles. I followed your squad in Kentucky on, I think it was the, um, yeah, it was the singles championship day, I think. Um, Tank Tank ran the 200, but like you said, I think your entire squad, all five of you could shoot by the time Keith Ditto calls for his target. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's about a 13, it's 12 to 13 minutes at the most for our squad to shoot 125 targets for sure. But, uh, you know, it's, we're not trying to shoot fast. It's just our rhythm. We'll get clicking, you know, Mitchell Lovelace is on our squad, usually my dad and tank and, and, uh, Kurt Lunsford shoots with us and, and Joe Nyer, you know, sometimes we'll have a fill in, but you know, it's just, uh, it's what works for us. It's fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, when did you start giving lessons? A couple of years ago and, and I don't do it full time. You know, I just like to offer it, you know, if somebody wants to come down, it's, you know, I got a lot on the plate with the, with my, with my job. So I don't have a lot of time to devote to it. I can't travel with it. Can't like travel and give a lesson, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, offered here, you know, somebody wants to come down for a couple hours and, you know, get some one-on-one instruction, you know, it's definitely happy to do it, but, uh. It's it's a lot of fun, and to be honest with you, you know, give a lesson and give an instruction is, it's really good for your shooting game because it keeps you fresh and 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 you know you're constantly going through the process of what you follow and what you're supposed to follow, and you're just relaying it to the other shooter. So even though I'm not shooting it, uh, it definitely keeps me fresh and keeps things going. There, there's a huge opportunity there, you know, to trap one. There's a huge opportunity there, you know, if you, if I did want to travel and, and do some lessons, but I just uh, prefer to just, you know, keep it on a low, lower scale and help out when I can and focus on elite. Now, would you say when you are given those lessons that the number one um, issue that shooters have is moving their gun before before they see the target, or is there something else? No, I think I think you hit the nail uh, hit it right on the head there i mean you know everybody wants to anticipate the target they want to shoot it as fast as they possibly can they want to make a smoke ball and and look good and you know it's you cannot move the target until you you know you cannot move the gun until you see the target you got to keep the gun still and then you know it's it's imperative i mean when i miss 90 percent of the time it's because i moved the gun i moved the gun before the target come out so if I catch myself creeping up or, or anticipating the target, you know, I may, I may change my catchphrase. It may be, uh, I may go from break this one target to, um, you know, my catchphrase being break this one target. It may switch to keep the gun still, then break the target. You know, just a little, a little hint of, you know, to, to bring my concentration back to where it needs to be. But yeah, I think that's the number one reason people miss, you know, if their gun is shooting where they look and, you know, they broke some decent scores. I mean, most people miss because they move the gun just and handicap. It's magnified, you know, 27 yards handicap. It's, it's magnified tenfold. Now, are you, uh, there's an article published about you in trap and field mentions, um, your, your, uh, your, hobby or maybe uh professional status at poker um tell us about your world series of poker tournaments that you've entered and are you still playing poker occasionally so i wouldn't say that i'm professional level for sure but i do enjoy it i do enjoy poker um we uh i just play a couple circuit events a year you know nothing nothing uh, too crazy 
I'm more of a cash game player. Uh, I have started playing a lot of Omaha. Uh, for the past several years, I've played No Limit, but I've, uh, I've ventured into Omaha poker now, and it's it's a lot of fun. But uh, you know, typically in the winter, I'll play probably one night, one night a week, and uh, it's it's definitely fun. I mean, it takes a lot of patience too. It's a lot of the things that uh, you have to do in trap shooting, you have to do in poker. You know, you got to be patient. And uh, yeah, reading reading your opponents, you got to read the targets. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things there that are uh, that come into play. But patience is the the number one thing. You know that uh, you know just shooting in general. You know, you got to be patient when to patient to get the results you want, and uh, patient let the target come out. And and uh, but it's I enjoy poker. Um, I did play a lot of golf. Uh, now I don't really have time to play a lot of golf, but uh, I do enjoy golf. And uh, I guess my other big hobby will be bass fishing. So my dad and I, we uh, we go fishing quite a bit. He's got a bass boat, and we uh, we hit the lake quite often and, and go fish. I wish I had time for a lot of other things. I used to throw darts. I mean, if you name it, I probably tried it. It's, it's, I had to narrow it down to shooting poker and uh shooting poker and golf and that's and, and a little bit of fish mixed in and that's 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 about all i can handle i tried golf for about two years and i gave it up because it frustrated the hell out of me mm-hmm. but it gave me a whole new respect for those who are good at golf because it's not an easy sport by any means no it's not that's for sure do you have any superstitions when shooting so I can't have any empty holes on the walk where I'm standing. I can't have any holes on the walk. It's just something else. I don't know where I picked it up, but no holes on the walk. And then um, I do actually kind of like the riding of the shell, <laughs> the federal on top. I do like it. It doesn't have to be perfectly on top, but it has to be between nine o'clock and three o'clock. So it doesn't. I'm not that. I'm not that superstitious, but it, it's. Really, those two things are, that's probably it. I mean, I just, like I said, I don't have, I don't have a lot of time. I just grab my gun and go shoot. And those two things are, if that's the first thing I do when I walk out to the post is kick all the empties off the walk and put my shell in straight and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh- before I, before I end it here, I I'm out of questions. Is there anything else that you want to hit on? before I let you kind of go into the, um, you know, your sponsors and whatnot? Not really. Um, you know, pre-shot routine, I get a lot of questions on pre-shot routine and so I will, I will touch on that. So when I walk up to the station, you know, obviously, you know, going over my post, it's basically bottoms up. I look at my foot position, make sure that I can get to the right angle and the left angle easily without being restricted, you know, in my swing. So foot position, stance, and then I do, I'm a little bit different than most shooters. I watch every single target that my squad shoots. I mean, if I'm not loading the gun, my eyes are looking out over the trap house. And and I just think there's a lot of information out there that, uh, you know, that, that people are missing out on, you know, if they're looking down at the ground or, or just dazing off, you know, gazing out into space or whatever, you know, it, you know, you watch targets that go up that your squad mates shoot. Well, you know, you got a headwind 
and uh you know it's and you can make adjustments you know when they miss targets you know you can see what happened and so i'm a big believer in watching every target and getting as much information as i can you know between my shot and and somebody else shooting but uh i don't really do a lot of thinking between my shot okay so when when, when i close my gun a tank shoots in front of me i close my gun it see the target break the target and i try to limit it to two catchphrases whatever i've been struggling with like i said if i'm moving the gun anticipating the target it may be see the target then move the gun or see the target break this next target something like that that just triggers my concentration and and it's just instinct at that point you know you're not really uh not a lot of thinking involved once it uh once i start the gun mount but but my eyes are constantly out over the trap house in that zone of where I want to see that target. I mean, I'm not looking around. I mean, I mean, I literally shoot, eject the shell, look down, stick a shell on my gun, close it up, and I'm still looking. You know, and I've still got three people ahead of me to shoot easily at that point. I mean, this all happens in a matter of nine or ten seconds. So, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, bottoms up, stance all the way through, uh, where I see the target, where I want to look, and I'll just keep replaying that that two-step process, you know, what I want to say and what I'm doing prior to my shot. You know, keep your head down, break the target, um, see the target, break the target, whatever that is. But I don't like getting crazy with having three or four catchphrases, but I think it's important that you do have a catchphrase for sure. Yeah, I've, I've found that when I'm shooting my best, like, at the Indiana State shoot this year, I, I broke a 199 and ran the back 100, and my catchphrase was, see the target, watch it break. See the target, watch it break. And it was just, I, ta- I probably told myself that 6,000 times, but it kept my mind from going, oh, you're straight right now, or, you know, like, you haven't missed yet, like, you know, just stuff that goes into your mind i just kept replaying it and, and it helped me so that you the catchphrases absolutely work yeah your mind is your enemy for sure when you start thinking it's uh i don't know how many times you know you're running a good score and you know what you're straight you're 40 straight handicap and then you about shoot behind the next target and then you catch yourself like you know you big dummy what are you doing why are you thinking just follow the process and trust yourself and uh I've toyed with the idea of uh, of trying music. Uh, it may be this year for sure, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to play with it on the practice field and see if I like it. I know a lot of uh, a lot of shooters like it, and uh, I, I don't know. I've never never tried it, so I'll let you know how that experiment goes. Yeah, let me know because I tried it and it lasted about four shots, and I threw them out of my ears because it. I I couldn't I couldn't tell who was who was shooting when I was up. I don't know if I had just had my music up blaring too loud or what, but it threw me all off. Right. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> now at the at the grand this year, that I I let that negative thought come into my head on doubles. I was I was straight going to my last post, broke the first pair, and then I said you're going to break your first 50 straight and doubles today in the very next pair dead loss. (laughs) Yep. That's what happens. (laughs) 
Uh, last question here for you, and you can get on with the rest of your Friday evening. Um, go ahead and give any shout outs you, you would like, sponsors, um, give thanks, your family, whatever you want. Sure. So definitely uh, want to thank Elite Shotguns and the opportunity that I have now as general manager for sure. Um, Elite Shotguns, Kohler Arms, as we talked about, Kohler's been a big part of where I'm at today, you know, introduced me to this opportunity with Elite. So uh, Kohler for sure. Federal Ammunition, Federal's a, a big sponsor of mine. I always, uh, always looked up to the big guns, Ray Stafford and those guys when I was younger. It was like, Man, it would be so cool to uh, to be sponsored by Federal and Federal Ammunition. And, uh, you know, here I am. So uh, shout out to Federal. Uh, Wendy Custom Gunstocks, uh, they do a great job, you know, not only in the trap market, but sporting clays and skeet, you know, with gun fit. Um, Ultima Shooting Accessories, they were one of my sponsors this year. I shot in a, in a vest for a few events, and I still shoot in a vest for sporting clays. I just... Uh, it doesn't work for me for trap. I just prefer not to, but uh, thanks, thanks to those guys as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of uh, it takes a lot of a uh, lot of people and a lot of support to uh, to make this work. And you know, I've been blessed with the family that has supported me since I started shooting. And uh, you know, they I travel quite a bit, so the wife's very patient. I got a four-year-old daughter, so, uh, you know, we do a lot of FaceTimes and things like that when I'm on the road, but, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a grind, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's for sure. I did see her, uh, Grinch experience the other day. Yeah. yeah the Grinch experience was, uh, was quite interesting. Yeah. She's been, she loves the Grinch. She's watched the Grinch on TV constantly and, and, uh, we we watch YouTube. She watches the Grinch on YouTube. And she wanted to meet the Grinch, so she went and had her hair done up like Cindy Lou Who. And my wife drove like an hour and fifteen minutes to meet the Grinch, and she was all smiles until she met the Grinch, and then that was it. It was tear. I don't want to meet the Grinch. I'm I was just kidding. So I saw that I saw that picture. I I, was, I lost it because my 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 daughter is the same way. She's she's five and. Uh, I, I dropped her off at a preschool this week and we're sitting in the drop-off line and we had the Grinch on both times. So, um, I, she does, she doesn't want to meet him. So I, I thought it was funny that, that yours wanted to until she, until she got there. No, I met him and that was, that was, it. it was, it was pretty funny. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey for sure. It's, it's well, it's been my life for 28 years and plans to continue <laughs> so it's a it's a, it's very exciting so you got to enjoy the journey though you know things don't happen overnight and just like with this uh you know where, where we're at today with elite you know i'm i knew that one day that i wanted to run or or open you know a, a big competition gun business and you know there was there were some downslides and you know things that didn't go as planned and they always work out in the end. You know, you just got to work through it and persevere and things work out the way they're supposed to. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time and coming on, um, for joining us today and, uh, best of luck in this 2024 target year. I appreciate it. Thank you again for having me on. 
Before we close it out for the week, I want to thank my sponsors for supporting me here. Fioki Ammunition. Do yourself a favor and try some shooting dynamics or white rhinos. Some of the best shooters in the game today shoot Fioki. Everybody's favorite gun dealer, Michael Gooch with the Indiana Gun Club. Stop in and check out his inventory at a shoot. Michael travels all over the Midwest and East Coast while providing top-notch service. AJ Supplies, they've been with us since day one. Be sure to reach out to AJ Supplies for all your reloading needs by calling 419-583-7133. Diamond 8 Leather, Randall creates quality leather gear for shooting enthusiasts. Visit d8leather.com for samples of his craftsmanship. Chet Herod with Herod Insurance, they've been servicing Ohio for three generations Check can be reached at 419-303-2218 or visit HerodInsurance.com. Shamrock Sporting Arms. Jonathan travels all over the Northeast providing shooters with Pila glasses, Craigoff accessories, and ammunition. Visit ShamrockSportingArms.com for more info. Ezoc CLP and Gun Care Solution providing the best cleaning, dry lubrication, long-lasting corrosion protection, and leaves your shotgun looking brand new. Visit ezox.com for more info. Last but certainly not least, visit trapshootersunited.com. Orders here help support the show. I have Pila and Ranger shooting glasses, Trap Shooters United shirts, hats, visors. Go ahead and get your swag on for the next shoot. I also have a shooting journal that can be purchased on Amazon. This is a low-cost but extremely beneficial tool that's great for all competitive shooters, regardless of discipline. Keep notes from each shoot ranging from a practice session to the world championships. That's a wrap on this episode of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Thank you all for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. See you all out on the trap line.